Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And this is the live recording of episode 60 of the North Meet South web podcast. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in again to the North Meet South web podcast. Last time we had Daniel Colborn and Caleb Porzio on the show live from the green room of Laracon New York City, Laracon 2019. It's pretty yeah. awesome. It was a fun time. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm so glad that we actually made that happen because yeah. I think last time I was in New York, we had microphones and stuff and it just didn't happen even though we were right there and had the opportunity to do it. So I'm glad that, that we got to sit down with those fine gentlemen. Uh, D. I Cole think last and, time I forgot. Caleb. I forgot my uh, microphone last time, I think. But yes. It's entirely possible, yeah. It's very possible. C, Quite possible. C-Pause. C-Pause and D. Cole. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's what they're going by now. So yeah. apparently D. Cole is not like a known thing, apparently. I don't know. Like he calls him that on the show all the time. But apparently was yeah. like that's just not something he's used to being called like it's just something caleb does and so now it was, people calling him d Cole is a little bit odd for him yeah nickname between friends so people come up to him people like you for example come up to this poor stranger <laughs> in, the, in the crowd and they're like hey d Cole, what's up and he's like not my name don't know who you are get away from me you creeper oh, oh my gosh <laughs> he's not he's not like that he's too he's too nice to, to do that i think yeah yeah but yeah, I'm that creeper who he doesn't know, and I'm yeah, that's me. Yep. Yeah, uh, I was telling. Uh, I was actually telling Aaron about. Remember, we went to the Yotel Bar on the Thursday night, and there was just that group of young people mm-hmm. that were in in these oh, cheap suits that they had just bought. Like you know True. that they just went and bought those, and they are at this yep. thing, and we're all sitting around wondering what they are. And I say, Hey, Jake, Jake, you go over there and find out what they're doing for us, because that's just the kind of thing that. Uh, extroverted outgoing Jake would do so off he went and found out it was like some young networking event it was kind of yeah it was bizarre to watch because there was one person sitting there talking and then like three or four people sitting around them in a circle taking note yeah it was odd like young young Wall Street people or something I don't know it just it was very bizarre yeah it was it was weird but it was uh, I don't know man I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this and I said to them that and I think I've talked about this before on our show too. Like it's easier for me to talk to strangers sometimes than people that I know really well. Mm-hmm. Just because like the longer people know me, the more they know about me. It's so, like the more they realize like my faults, my things that I'm not good at or bad habits or whatever. I don't know. But with strangers, it's like a fresh, yeah, it's like a fresh start. Like nobody has any idea and you're just, I can put on a good face and mm-hmm. it's easy. It's like it's like starting a relationship over and over again. Like every new person is a new relationship. You could be a completely different person. You know, once you know people, like I'm not a completely different person. Like I I feel like I'm just like you can be, and you can and you can make it a lot of fun. Like you could pretend to be someone that you're not, and see what resonates with different people, and see what works and Hmm. what doesn't, and things like that. Whereas people that know you, well, they they know you, and they can tell like when you're changing and putting something on and things like that. So. It's an interesting social experiment, I suppose. Obviously, those people yeah. in the suits were trying to make a good impression with the people that they were with. But it, it was funny because I was sitting there and I was looking at these people and they're all dressed up in these suits and we're all just sitting in there and like conference t-shirts and shorts and yeah. like 
looking the way that we do, you know, like programmers. And I look at those people and I am not envious of them at all. I think I've got a pretty great life with what I'm fortunate yeah, I think, to, yeah. to do. It happens so often. I, I do that where like, oh, it's like, I don't know. It sounds almost pompous sometimes though. But you look at people who are in jobs that just, they're obviously not happy with their job. Right. And it's honestly not a lot of times because of any decisions that they made or didn't make or whatever. It's just like life circumstances has like life circumstances have dictated this, this to them. Right. Yeah. And it just so happens that like the hobby that I had when I was in seventh grade ends up being an in-demand job Mm -hmm. right now that I'm an adult and as luck would have it, like I have a good job. Right. But man, so many times I think like I am so fortunate to have the job I have to actually enjoy that work I do get paid decently to do it and like work at a good place. Like it's so, we're so lucky and and have the, and have the luxury. Yep. Yeah. to go, I mean, to go to a conference where like, you know, it was paid for me to go to New York city. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. How does that? Yeah. Pretty fortunate. So anyway, Hey, um, I was thinking about a couple things to talk about today. I wanted to talk a little bit about live wire and inertia. Yeah, kind of break those down a little bit. Talk about what they are, what they aren't, where their use cases are, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit maybe about microservices, which is I know old hat, not really hot topic anymore. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say per se we're doing microservices, but mm, maybe we're using similar patterns in some things. Possibly alerts for your scheduled services or scheduled tasks in in uh, your scheduler config, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like heartbeats. Interested yep. to hear how you guys handle those. Mm-hmm. And then Mosh, laptop in the cloud. Mosh. That I episode was a happy that. hacker episode or whatever. Yeah, I, I saw it. I haven't had a that chance to listen. I was very, very surprised to see it. Chris, is it Chris Hunt, his name is? He used to do a... I actually don't know. Yeah, I think he, he used to do a podcast with Ben Orenstein, the Codecation. Um, and I, I really enjoy that podcast. And I when when Matt Stauffer, shout out Matt, posted or tweeted that there was a new episode, I went and looked and it had, I'd removed it from my overcast because it had been five years between episodes. So I'm I'm excited to get back into it. Not not that I have I take a, a buddy with me to the gym now at lunch, so I don't really listen to podcasts yeah, as much yeah. as I can. So every time I open Overcast, there's like 15, 20 podcasts yeah. in there that, you know, on my commute to and from work, there's not enough time to get through them all. And I, Sometimes he, like so. he had a meeting on uh, on Thursday, I think. And I said, I'm going to enjoy catching up on podcasts without you. <laughs> yeah. Like I go through these periods where like a lot of the podcasts in my, in my list are programming related, but mm-hmm. there'll be times where I don't listen to, like programming related podcasts for a month or so. Mm-hmm. Like I just have a couple other things that I'm interested in listening to. And um, yeah, it's like, it's like a good break for my brain because otherwise it's literally every single thing of content, like between Twitter and podcasts and work, like the vast, vast, vast majority of my time is programming brain. And so sometimes I just need like a little bit of variety, you know? Yeah. So anyway, hey, so I thought to keep it interesting for people who might be listening who actually care about programming and Laravel, talk about alerts for your scheduled tasks, how you guys handle it. It's like, so how do you make sure that something that's scheduled in your kernel that's set to run every day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., but not on weekends, you know, 
a job like that? Like, how do you make sure that that is running and is in a healthy status? Where do right. you see that? How do you keep track of it? Or do you just wait for a, bro- a user to say like, hey, this is broken, not working. So right now? Yeah. What do you right. do? Right do now, do? right now we don't, <laughs> we should. You don't schedule, you don't, you don't like monitor any of that? We don't monitor them, no. We just assume everything is, is beautiful in the world. Everything's rainbows and puppies and, and nothing ever breaks. So occasionally things do. And then we, I mean, we notice it pretty quickly because the, the tasks that we run are, are fairly high volume in the contact center. If certain tasks aren't running, like they will notice because it impacts their job. Sure. So I, I did at one point, look like there's chronotor and things like that that you can use chronotor um, interesting yeah i think it's a like monitor but chronotor yeah monitor but chronotor.io and and they do a whole bunch of stuff where you could do do pingbacks i know that laravel envoy does pings but i think that's more health checks in terms of deployments as opposed to monitoring i think i think maybe even odia does that can you send a ping because we're using odia so it might be worth using that i i thought about making my own <laughs> just because you know we're developers and there's a thing that we think we need and then we go and just build it yep no it doesn't look like odia does it so and look i, I wouldn't expect them to either because it's not really part of of that but like broken links and mixed yeah. content checks and um i mean it does website uptime but that's more so that the website is available which isn't really for monitoring crons, but just something that you could send a ping to, you know, give it a URL and it just says, you know, how often should I see a report from this thing and how many missed reports should raise an alert and then send a Slack notification. I don't think it would be a terribly difficult thing to implement. I think if you're going to do it though, you would have to implement it reliably, especially if you're going to have other people. Like if we're just building it as an internal tool, then, you know, it's not, critical but if you're gonna build some SaaS for it you you need to make sure that thing's reliable because you don't want people sending pings to your service to monitor that your scheduled tasks are running and then your uh your monitoring service not working yeah 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 i'm curious actually how things like that like are you know what's the sla time on like oh dear right like how you know it's checking websites all the time like what yeah. sort of redundancy or high availability do they have on that bad boy yeah. so they can make sure that it's like it's got to be like across regions and all that stuff so that mm-hmm. they can make sure that it's up all the time yeah they check in two places or three places or whatever i've never had an issue like odia picks things up every time we deploy our public members area we will do a php artisan down and put it into maintenance mode and i'll get that notification from odia within like 30 seconds hmm. so it's always always quick to report those things for me but in terms of like what their SLA is and what, you know, what they promise yeah. they'll get back to you on that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure. There might be something in their FAQs. Yeah. The reason I ask is because we have had the same, same challenge. We have a garbage ton of scheduled tasks. We have a bunch of them, right? Um, I feel like any sufficiently complex application will likely have them. Like you just run into them on a regular basis. Anything that you need to be checking on to say like... Hey, has this thing happened yet? Anything that you can't do with like a queued job, uh, like saying like, hey, queue this for later, you have to just check. Like, so for example, has this thing expired yet, right? Mm-hmm. Or is this thing scheduled to be sent? 
or is any of are any of these things scheduled to be sent? Go ahead and send them out, right? Yeah. Those sorts of deals, uh, you could just you just have them. You just accumulate these things, and so yeah. In our business, we have a bunch of pretty critical items that have to run, have to have to run. We have clients that are expecting them. So if we have like a export that does not run and does not get to their data center correctly we're like that looks really bad for us right so we should probably know about that before they do mm-hmm. and it's likely not going to throw a sentry alert or it doesn't always like it's it's kind of odd because some of these some of these jobs it feels like console jobs almost fail silently more often and so like if it's not happening it's yeah it's just, there was just you have to have some way to check it right and so we have rolled our own, pretty much. We've rolled our own dashboard where we say, hey, here are all the things that we have that are supposed to be checking in. And there's like, I hear you when you say like, it's, it's not going to be that difficult to implement. It isn't, but there's just a lot of things that you don't think about until you have to do it. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, like the example I gave where I say like, hey, um, we only run it from eight until five and it doesn't run any time after that. And I only actually want to be alerted about it during business hours because like you know or you know for certain critical jobs i want to be alerted 24 hours a day but if it's something non-critical i only want to be alerted during these times right and i want it to check every 10 minutes and give me a roll up of like all the different notifications that it has it also checks my failed jobs tables and says like hey do you have any failed jobs for all of these different databases and if it does it will deliver them to me so all of that stuff so we have built it and um, one of the things that we've found is like those blackout times where we can say like, okay, we know that this is going to start at eight. It's going to end at five. So like only like check during these periods. And I'm interested to see if this is a problem that other people are having. Uh, there are other solutions out there, but I feel like it's a simple win, right? It's something that I could either open source or yeah. create and like basically just kind of take what we've already worked on and done and release it to the... Mm-hmm. world out there and get it even better you know let people yeah. improve it and whatever or yep. eventually even, even make a tiny sass out of it now here's yeah. the deal with tiny sasses right tiny sasses don't make any money yeah and they're certainly not like income replacement money like you can't you know if you're charging anything other under like i don't know 20 bucks a month kind of thing like you're never you're never touching anything that's going to even like come close to helping your yeah. I don't know. Unless you have massive scale, right? Well, if you're charging like $5 a month, if you're charging like $5 a month, it seems like it's a nice little hobby sort of thing, but you're never going to make any money off it. Any real, real money, you yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah. So it'd probably just be one of those kind of fun side things that you can, you may be charged just to kind of keep the service up and running. Because like you said, you'd have to have like high availability and a lot of people just don't want to run it themselves, right? They don't want to go through the pain of setting it up. They just want to have something that they can that they can basically write into their kernels that says then ping and it will just talk out to your service and bada bing, bada boom, they're done. They have monitoring set up and in yeah. place. And it's um, fairly straightforward. Like that's and that's what you'd have to do. Like here is your URL. I don't know if you would have a distinct URL for each task. I, I guess so that's, that's the only way you'd be able to... Like, I wouldn't think you'd put query parameters in there or anything like that. Yeah, it, like when you have to in advance schedule a... Or or find... Like when you in advance have to create a URL for it, mm-hmm. then you have to basically say... You know, this, it's the same problem of like, okay, when, when should I start checking that for alerts? Well, you know, actually you should only start checking it for alerts after it's had its first check-in, right? Because... yeah. What you're likely doing is you're setting it up and then you're going to go check in for the first time once you deploy that code, right? But you have to write the code first. So 
those mm-hmm. sorts of little things as well. But ideally what you would do is I wouldn't even want to have, like I would just want it to create it like on the fly. Like if I say then ping, I want to grab some sort of data off of that command and create a unique URL for them and then basically just let them know maybe if they need it, yeah. here's what it is, you know, but kind of do that transparently, yeah. I think would be like a best world scenario mm. and kind of handle all of yeah. that. Like, like figure out what, like how often it's running, like figure out all that. Cause basically the scheduler compiles down to a cron t- timestamp signature, like that star, 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 two star, star, whatever. Yeah. Right. So like, I, I figure like you got to be able to find that or get that somehow out of the, out of the um, kernel. The only time where you couldn't do that is if you're executing it with like a closure. So a lot of times you can say yeah. like in kernel, you can say when, and then you pass a function and then that function returns a closure or I'm sorry, it says when, and then it accepts a closure an anonymous function. Right. And then you can basically do whatever logic you want in there. So there's no way the kernel could know about that. It's just going to run every five minutes or something. And then you say when this, whatever. Right. Yeah. But it, like, it wouldn't be a matter of configuring the schedule in in the applica- the the SAS that's doing the monitoring. It would be a matter of configuring what a missed, like what a missed one is and mm-hmm. how how many you can miss or what period of time can you miss it. So yeah. I don't think there's a zero configuration option for there it. There probably like, is you could for tell some it of them. The name of it? Yeah, maybe. I, like, I, I don't necessarily think so like even with chronitor for example you have to tell it yeah well so like for for example if i said like hey i want to send out a a digest of any important note lines that have been added to this particular client in our crm right on mondays i Mm -hmm. want to set up a roll out a roll up digest of any clients that have had important note lines added to all of our management team every monday at eight o'clock let me know if it doesn't go that's it like yeah, but how does Monday how does the monitoring eight, application all. know that it hasn't gone? Well, it hasn't checked in. It looks at the it looks at the timestamps for the last time it checked in, and it says if it hasn't checked in within, you know, whatever threshold you originally set when you set up your account, it basically say if it hasn't checked in within five minutes of the time when it's supposed to check in, then it didn't work. It failed. Go ahead and let me know. Yeah, but you have to configure that in the monitoring application. The monitoring application isn't just going to know when it should be checking in. Um, unless... Well, it doesn't know. The monitoring application doesn't know what your schedule looks like. It doesn't know that that schedule task is going to run once a week or if it's going to if it's expected to run every day. Like, you have to tell it. Yes, well, For so dream with command, me. This is when it should run. Dream with me, though. So, like, if I had, like, so the then ping command right now in Laravel, all it does is it just says go out and touch this address. That's all it does. It just sends a 200 mm-hmm. request to like this location and that's all, right? If you could create your own custom, then ping. So then ping my service name, or if you could override the Laravel, then ping. And if you could somehow, in addition to just hitting the 200, if you could send along a payload that included the cron, the name of the, uh, like the cron schedule that the current or that the uh, kernel figured out for this one particular job if it could grab off the name of the command that's actually being sent all of that stuff like if if when that scheduled thing ran right the then ping actually kind of packaged up all that stuff and then sent it off over the wire along with just the 200 then it could kind of auto handle itself right like it would kind of assign a unique signature to that one piece and say like oh i know what that is 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? I know, I know I'm dreaming here. I don't have a solution for it. I'm just saying like, ideally I know, I know myself having done it. It's really annoying to have to go set them up yourself manually. It's really frustrating. So like, that's one of the major felt pain points. Like I just want to be able to like schedule something and then say, Hey, go monitor that and let me know if it doesn't work. I don't want to have to go to another tool, right? That would be ideal. I don't know how it would work. I'm just saying it would be great if it could make it work. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like you have, but you have to configure it somewhere. At some point you have to configure it. But, but don't you think it would be possible if I said like, so maybe I generate my own unique key. Maybe I just say like, or maybe it's just included like in a, um, I don't know, maybe it goes into storage. Maybe it goes somewhere into some config of some sort. I don't know. But like you generate your own unique key. I don't care. And just send it along yeah. with it. And then the application that you're talking to just says, oh, okay. You know, I don't know, however you want to do that. Like you've used fluent syntax to say, then ping, whatever. I don't know how you would do that, but yeah. you'd have to, you would have to be able to send along the name of a command and the schedule of the command. That's the trick. Like you'd have to mm-hmm. be able to send along the cron stamp timestamp thing, as well as the name of the command. So you could kind of identify it and then you could do like an auto setup sort of deal. I feel like. Yeah. Well, I mean. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. See, because then ping sends a get request. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that you could pass in some like query parameters or, you know, you could submit a merge request to the framework, I suppose, to yeah. get it to put in some stuff out of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Or just or just have people install a, com- install a package that does that, right? Yeah, sure. There's like, you can have the command punched in there so you could like put that as a query parameter mm-hmm. um can you get the I'm schedule sorry. yeah i haven't even looked at the then ping method yet so like because it wouldn't even have to like you don't have to even look at the then ping as the thing like you could just have something that kind of attaches onto the kernel scheduler class mm-hmm. uh it just extends it or something and then yeah there's like there's the uh the expression so that you you could actually pass the expression as part like the the cron expression yes as well as the what was the other thing that i just said uh uh the the name yeah, the so name of the command the name the command yeah the command name and the cron expression and the time zone i guess you could all send that across oh and time zone that's interesting In, and then you've got like the mutex name if you wanted that as well these are all things that you can get out and then pass in as as part of that query parameter so yeah, it yeah. could be done. I don't know. Like you would then have to pause it and figure out like, is this a command that should run every five minutes? And then you could do some auto configuration based on that on the first check-in. And then you could allow people to customize it, right? Yeah. And then you'd have like a single endpoint for all of the uh, ping pings that go out. Mm-hmm. And then you could like configure based on like, this is the command that ran and this is the schedule that it did. And you could figure out like, is this something that runs every five minutes? And then you could configure a default like, okay, if we miss three consecutive five-minute periods, then raise an alert. And then people could then say, you know, go back in there. And then you put in, geez, we're giving away a free idea here. If someone builds this, we're going to miss out. I'm building it. Um, We're building it. You're building it. We're all building it. Everyone's building it. We're going to have five or 10 or 15 of these competing products. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, there's what? There's a million different ideas and a million different whatever. Like the the difference is not like I, this won't I won't be the first person or we won't be the first people to have had any of this idea. No. Like at the end of the day, like 
David Hemphill wasn't the first like CMS sort of slash mm-hmm. like whatever. It's just at the end of the day, it's all about distribution for me. And that's why like yeah, David or Adam, any, like any of those guys, like the biggest challenge is always distribution. Justin Jackson talks about this, right? Like if you can't get a thousand people to sign up for an email list for like your idea, don't bother building it. Like it's yeah. not worth it, right? Yeah. And so like for some of this, like for me and for you, like we at least have this platform to talk about it. So if we end up building it or putting it out there, like we have some people to tell about it and they can go use it. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, worst case scenario, I can use it for work. But as we've seen with, you know, you mentioned David, as we've seen with David and with Chris, there is there is room in our little bubble of PHP to build a very Laravel-specific tool mm-hmm. that does all of this stuff that, yeah, okay, if we understand the expressions if we can if we can send that expression with the ping to this service and we know that it's an expression that came from a laravel app we know that it's like every monday every tuesday every wednesday every sunday every five minutes every 15 minutes so we could you know get back to what that expression is based on what we're receiving because we know that it's coming from a laravel application yeah so i don't know let's burn the midnight oil it's getting late there for you like almost 11 o'clock after mm-hmm. after we finish recording this episode let's just jump on let's jump on tuple and just like start coding out this app let's wireframe something up here's the crazy thing is i've already got some of this built that's Done. the deal like, i want I've you already- to do the front end because you know your way around tailwind like i I couldn't even build a login. I tried to do a login page the other day. And you know when you copy and paste the bootstrap template and it's got that meta attribute in the header that sets like the initial scale? I always, always, always forget that. So my thing that should be responsive when you open it on a mobile is just the desktop view. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've been burned by that enough times, not, not so that I actually remember to put that in there from the start, but so that I know what it is when I see the problem. Because previewing in, in responsive design mode in Chrome fixes that, like it doesn't account for that. But then I open it on my actual phone and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, uh, Tailwind is like, it took, it took a while to get used to for sure. But man alive, oh my gosh, it has made my life incredibly easier yeah. for sure. I really enjoyed Adam's talk too. I need to watch it back again. Just talking about basically how he uses it, right? And where he extracts mm-hmm. components and where he how he uses all those things. So yeah. Okay. So kind of this this dovetails with with the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is kind of like Tailwind or not Tailwind, but uh Livewire and Inertia. And yes, we are we're like what we're only like a half hour in. So Yeah, we're good. Depending. We're good. I mean, like we can talk for a little bit more. Anyway, so suffice it to say, for me, the solution we have works. The the one thing that I don't like is that I have to set up a new job manually each time I want something to to go out. Um, but the the alert the, the notifications that I get right now I'm really satisfied with. Like these roll up wrap up notifications I get every like ten minutes are great. So yeah, and you know for a fact what's going to happen is like we're going to have talked about this and then tomorrow someone's gonna or whenever we release this somebody's gonna come oh yeah that's already built here it is this is the thing yeah that's, that's already over here yeah that'll happen it always does right so but for me and it's that's like, fine because that'll save us time and effort exactly but yeah but I'm, I'm like i want like a super simple i would just like to build something to be able to build something and ship it and then you know be able to like if nothing else use it myself like it's gonna go Correct. on a five dollar a month server if it's just me and you using it then it doesn't matter like i'll 
I'll pay five dollars a month for a tool that I can use. Exactly. And if you know we get other people using it later, then okay, we get other people using it later. Yep. All the reasons that David Hemphill mentioned in his one blog post recently, right? Like, why do you build stuff that already has existing solutions? Yeah. Why build X when Y exists? Yes, exactly. All those things. Which was a which was a really good good post. Just saying, yeah. like, just build something to scratch your own itch. There's yep. always room in the market for something. And you learn new tools, and so like, okay. So which which leads us to inertia and livewire. Okay. So mm. what are your thoughts on? We've talked about livewire a little bit. We love you, Caleb. Great job on livewire. Have you looked into inertia at all? Yes, I actually gave a talk on it at uh, our PHP meetup last month. What are your thoughts? I I really liked it from the perspective of having like an SPA that isn't an SPA. But yeah. That's like it's building things that I'm already building. And one of the one of the things that Jonathan mentioned in his introductory blog post is that so often we're building blade views where their only purpose is to house a full page view component yeah but then you're interspersing those like sometimes you just have a blade view and sometimes you've got a full page view component and sometimes you're mixing view components and blade templating and all that kind of stuff so inertia really just goes look do everything in view and we will handle swapping everything out doing all the posts doing all the error handling doing all this ajax request stuff for you and basically post do all your redirects do whatever you're doing and we'll just handle it and then it goes you know okay, everything is always a view component, but it will handle dynamically loading them in for you. It will handle swapping them out. It will handle passing all of the data and you're just building your controllers. And instead of building your views inside your Blade template and then like mixing and matching that, everything's just a view component. Yeah, so Blade is so no where more. We talk- Blade is bye-bye. You don't use yeah. Blade anymore ever in Inertia. Correct. And that way, like even if your view templates don't have any reactivity or any dynamic stuff, it doesn't really matter because it makes it much easier single to add them later because you're already in the view component. It's a yeah. single paradigm, as you say. So that way you don't have to go, oh, well, you know, crap, I've got this blade want, thing, yeah. but now I want to add like a tiny little bit of reactivity. So now I have to component. copy and paste yeah. this all over or add a component into the middle of all of this blade. So, you know, it really... And, and we, when we talked about Livewire on the the Laravel News podcast, you know, I said the same thing. It's it's doing what you're already doing, but staying in Blade as opposed to keeping everything in in view. So really they're they're two projects that are solving the same problem in a slightly different way. One is yeah. pushing you all the way into view and JavaScript all the time. And one is keeping you in in Blade and PHP all the time. Yeah. So and like, I know that I've said yeah. like, you know, if I never have to write JavaScript again, I won't be upset. But it's it's not really JavaScript that's that I I have problems with. I think it's more the jumping between the two and like having to change your mindset whether you're in JavaScript or in PHP. And then you know just the cognitive it's not huge, but the cognitive overhead of having to jump between the two. It's the context. I think switching. it's really nice. Yeah, the context switching. Thank you. I think like I would be happy to write the JavaScript if I was just writing the JavaScript and having like all of my view, all of my view layer is view. Right. As in the view framework. Yep. Um, or all of my view layer is blade and keeping the two separate. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay with that. So I'm not bashing on JavaScript. All right. It's not that I hate JavaScript, it's just that like the context switching drives me nuts. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying being to, able figure, to stay yeah. in one or the other is nice. Right. I'm just trying to figure out like where the overlap is for me, like which one I would go with. Cause like and the next thing I build, I would love to use one of those two tools. Like I'd love to either use Livewire or Inertia. 
for me and yeah. my brain, inertia is winning right now a little bit. I think it's a little bit more opinionated. Um, so mm-hmm. again, basically, instead of just having little pieces of reactivity like LiveWire where I have little components, so it's similar to Vue in the fact that like I have this little component that's that's on this page, whatever, whatever and um, it's handling this this piece of the the page, right? Whereas inertia mm-hmm. is full out like, hey, here's the thing. And so for inertia, really, for me, what it is, is it's just saying no view router, no view X, all of that stuff's very where i'm very comfortable the controller and all that like the controller yeah the like eloquent caching all that stuff all the stuff that i can do in php Mm -hmm. you know presenting some really nicely decorated data model right or presented data model that i want to have a thing specifically consume these these little pieces i can do all that on php i'm very comfortable over there and then just pass through the little pieces that i want to my front end and then my inertia front-end pages can consume that and bonus they're reactive right and it it handles Mm -hmm. it just like every view thing does so if i need that little bit of reactivity i have it no problem and i don't mind view templating at all like it it feels fine to me so yeah it reduces all that it reduces a lot of the complex pieces of the view uh components and like handles it for me the validation is amazing the fact that it handles redirects handles form stuff for me really well like all that's great okay so inertia kind of handles all that the front you know like exactly what i said so livewire though like i still haven't wrapped my head all the way around it and the the good thing about it is it does handle a lot of the same pain points right validation handling stuff on the php side of things instead of on the view side of things but what what it introduces now is it introduces a new paradigm that I haven't yet wrapped my head around, which is LiveWire components, right? I know Vue right now. I know Laravel right now. So it feels like inertia is very natural. There is yeah. some changes yeah. that like, I'd have to understand. But LiveWire feels like a little bit of a different beast. And I'm excited to try them, out, try them both out. Um, got a chance to talk with Caleb for a while about LiveWire at, at, at Laracon mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know. It's like I kind of need to make a project for each and kind of see which one I like better. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got... I had a, a client of mine that gives me some repeat work came to me yesterday and they want to build like it's just a one page app for a competition that just needs to take like name number email address that kind of stuff so it's gonna be a very simple thing just to dip my toe in it and i think my first thought was to was to play around with inertia um not not to say that i prefer inertia over livewire or one or the other it's just that i've played a little bit with inertia already and i think it might be a little bit easier for me but that's not to say that I won't use LiveWire for something totally. else in the future. Totally. Yep. I agree. I, I'm kind of the same boat. And I actually have a similar project right now. I'm meeting with somebody on Tuesday to talk about a simple, it's a very, very simple thing. Yeah, right. It's like a two-pager, mm-hmm. right? Like fill out this PDF application or fill out this online application. And yep. the lady is really upset because she's like, I just want it to stop accepting applications after the 15th of the month. Is that so difficult? I can't get this person to do it for me. Can you do it? Sure, yeah. I can do that. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm gonna try out inertia. I'm excited. I think it'll be cool. I've been talking to Jonathan about it for a little bit, and uh, he seems so he's so excited about it. It's it's awesome. Like to talk to him about it. Like he'll just like rant about like, oh my gosh, this is like my favorite thing. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. What else do we have on the list here? Um, I was going to say something about microservices, which meh. I don't know if I really want to. Mosh, but you don't have microservices in like. 
in a in a microservices context, you just have a lot of Laravel apps doing yes. different things and Tons. discrete that's, Laravel that's applications. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Yep. But I think I think that is that is the difference between a microservice and a and what you've got is that you have discrete functionality, like that also have separate things. Whereas microservices typically are split out to form part of a main application. Yeah. So for example, when we were doing video transcoding, we had a microservice that was responsible for the transcoding and we had a, and a we had a microservice that was responsible for like live streaming, but they were all managed through a central application. So in that context, and they weren't like micro, but they were, you know, they were small offsets that like you go over here and do your own thing and you've got your own resources and your own compute and your own whatever. Um, but we will manage all of that stuff from one place. Whereas I think the stuff that you're building, they're discrete applications. They've got their own user databases and and things like that. And they don't necessarily talk to each other. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. they don't talk to each other. Yeah. It's like, um, mm, oh man, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to think if there's actually a different way to do what I'm wanting to do right now. So the way that I'm going to be doing it actually makes more sense for the future moving forward because the way that I just thought about doing it would sort of be fragile if I ever wanted to move any of these apps off onto a different server. Okay. Mm. So basically what I have is I have a bunch of different applications that all work for like different departments inside our, our company, right? So one is like, hey, it's this um, basically all of these email generated, like all these email templates that are auto generated and filled in with data from this legacy database, right? So it's, we mm -hmm. call it rapid response, right? So it's like, hey, somebody has this issue or we need this, whatever. Like there's like, I don't know, probably 100, maybe more, probably 250 or something like that of these different things. And they're, they're always adding to it too, right? They're constantly like, oh, we need this new thing. And it also will generate PDFs for them and drop them into a folder for them, whatever, right? So that's one application. Then we have another one that says, hey, um, uh, like to kind of standardize uh, communication across departments within our company, you know, like stop sending an email telling somebody that, you know, the paper towels need to be refilled in this one thing. Like we have a building service request form or, hey, you yeah. hit a web page that's blocked from our IT department, but it needs to be not blocked because we need that. Right. So that's a blocked page mm -hmm. request. Right. All of these things come yeah. through this paperless forms request and then they kind of sit in a queue for somebody to work through. Right. So different teams yeah. are assigned different things, whatever. Right. So that's a different app. So there's all sorts of these different things. Right. And some of the issue that we're having is there's no great way to centrally let people know that they have work to do in, in an application, right? So mm -hmm. I would prefer not to, and Taylor echoed this at Laracon when we were sitting in the back room and he was talking about this. He's like, I don't, I hate emailing people. It's always so much noise, yeah. right? Like emails like my last resort. Like I don't want to email you to let you know that you have work to do. I'd rather just let you know some other way, right? So how do I do that? Yeah. So what we're doing is we're redoing our intranet page. I showed you that the other day. And yeah, I want them to beautiful. have thanks, all the different applications that they have access to right on their front page and then have the little friendly icon that says, hey, you actually have some work to do over here. So the way mm -hmm. that I have to do that, though, is I have to ask, you know, ask each application, do you have work to do for this one particular user? So Wilbur Power wrote a package called user task list, and it just basically integrates with that application and then it exposes a common endpoint for each one of those that we can just say forms.wilburgroup.com slash user slash GUID, right? Sorry, GUID. So sorry. G-U-I-D, U-U-I-D, whatever. Uh, and then it will just return a number or a count for that application, yeah. right? 
Yeah. So that's kind of like what I'm dealing with. It's like this whole idea of like I have to communicate with all these apps. So I basically have a bunch of first-party APIs that I need to communicate with mm-hmm. in like almost every single app. And it's it's starting to get annoying, but annoying. The other solution <laughs> is like they're all on a shared database. So I could totally just like look into the other databases like if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like if I wanted to be like messy, I could say, hey, from our intranet page, like don't bother going to ask the forms like how many notifications they have for somebody. Like, just handle the logic yourself. Like, just build yeah. in something into the intranet that says, hey, um, they actually have this many jobs. But then I have to basically recreate the logic in intranet to say, what constitutes a job for this person over in forms? And so, yeah, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather the logic live yeah. where it lives and then ask the application how much work there's for a person yeah. to do. Yeah, duplication would be my, my biggest issue there in terms of, you know maintaining that logic in different places and then of course you update it one and forget the other and then you yeah, have to remember correct. what's where and all that kind of stuff and then mm-hmm. you start like pulling out packages you know to to have the shared functionality shared via yeah composer packages and then you've got to remember when you update that package you have to go and find everything that's using oh, it just becomes a nightmare yeah that's the other so, thing is like we are using packages to kind of have shared functionality across all these apps in some senses and yeah this whole like version it and then go update it across everything and PR everything and then approve it and then merge it. Oh, it just gets so tiresome. Yeah. Yep. And we do that. Like, as you know, we've got our, our models and things like that sitting right. in our own package and it's getting to the point now where there's changes in, because they're being used in so many different places, changes in the models could break things in, in funny ways. So we're, we don't have any tests in the that model package itself. All of our tests are within each of the applications. Okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. So deploying... Deploying an updated model package doesn't, or you know, tagging a new version of that model package doesn't necessarily mean that we need to go and update the downstream consumers of that package. So you know, some something might be running version one point five, and it's fine. Like we don't need any of the new sure, functionality. Yeah. But if we if we need some piece of new functionality that's now in version one point eight, well, have we broken anything in one point six or seven? Yeah, in between there, that gets us. So we're getting to the point now where we're sort of thinking about maybe we do need to actually build some tests into that to test the models themselves. And then we've got to, you know, we'll probably use Orchestra Test Bench because it's the easiest way of of bringing Laravel into that. But yeah, it's just, it's the trade-off that you have to make. Okay, so we've got all this shared functionality now and that's great because we don't have to duplicate anything, but then you still have to maintain and manage modifications to that shared functionality that different applications may be using in different ways. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a delicate balance. It's a trade-off as with everything. It all depends on context and what, what works. And for us, it's, it's working at the moment, but, um, and, and, and it's been working for like a couple of years now. So I think it's okay. But as the team grows and we have more people, you know, using that package and more applications being built and things like that, that may become a, a point of, of reconsideration in the future. So yep. I don't know. Programming's hard. It I is. don't do much of it these days. I actually got a good three hours where I could just program yesterday. That's nice. Which was which was nice. And then and then I was I was building it was a report. So we had to each week we need to report to HR all of our service all of our staff services because there's like fringe benefits tax things that they can claim as a business offering those services to staff so as an internet provider custom uh, staff can get some some offer so we do like free months or free services and things like that so they need a report in order to claim on that for tax purposes and i built it all as a just as a job 
And all the job does is when it fires once a week, it goes and finds all the staff services, generates a CSV, and then emails that to HR. Yeah. And then I was that. talking, uh, yeah. And I was talking with you. Well, I was talking with the cash money yesterday. I was like, how do I test this? Because I can test that the job runs and that the job fires a notification, but that's not really a very useful test. Like, who, who gives a like? I, I, my assumption is that the framework tests will ensure that that runs. And because it's a job, we're just putting it in the console kernel, like schedule job. Yeah, I love like that, by the way. That job. You don't um, have to create like a task. Because that way we don't task. have to come up with yeah. an artisan. Yeah, you don't have to create a, a, a command, command that fires a you. job, yeah. that whatever. Because doing it as a job means that if we wanted to put a button in the CRM later to like give me a report right yeah. now, then we could dispatch that job exactly. and, send it and it'll just work. Exactly. But my issue was around like, well, how do we test this in a, in a sane way? Because everything is contained within that job. And then... I don't know, like I felt kind of funny that I was just exposing like the array of services as public properties just for the purposes of testing. Like that would otherwise be a protected property on the model or whatever. And and David Hampel suggested like just add a getter. I'm like, well, if it's a getter or it's a public property, it doesn't. It's the like, same it's, thing. Yeah. It it's the same really thing. Matter. Like I'm exposing a piece of like contained data just for the purposes of testing. If it wasn't for testing, that would otherwise just be well, I suppose a the reason property. I suppose the reason why you would set a getter is so you could keep those methods as protected so that somebody couldn't like a future programmer couldn't be like, oh, it's a public property. I can just set it to whatever I want. And instead you'd have like a specific way to get at those variables to in order yeah. to, you know, for the purpose of testing. But uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's weird because from from the point of the public API, like I would never I would never like run that job because it's basically new up the job, call a handle method, which will get happen, which will happen by the 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 console kernel, right? And I would never like new up that job because I can't like new up the job, call handle, and then like just to see what the services were because calling handle will, will trigger the whole job to to find the services to generate the CSV and to send the notification. So it's not like I can say new, you know, new staff services report and then and then get the services out of it but having said that if i wanted to build it into i wouldn't even do it as a job then it would just become like a like a class that i could say hey give me all of the staff services and display it as a table on this page in the crm as opposed to exporting the csv right Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know I just, I felt weird about it. Like at the end of the day, it was testing the functionality and it made sure that what was supposed to be in the report was in the report and then the report would actually get sent and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't know, it felt funny to me. Yeah, because it's like doing it that you're way. You're basically ensuring that it, it by, by setting the public properties, you're essentially, I'm sorry, you're essentially ensuring that it works when it's set up as it is in the test, but you're not protecting mm. it against future changes that would break functionality that is not in the test right Mm -hmm. so like by saying this property is public you're saying yep as long as i set it up this way as it is in the test it will always work but if somebody in the future comes in behind you and says well i'm going to execute it this different way and i'm going to change the public property in a way that you didn't expect then yeah and if they're not writing a test for it then that's the problem right so Mm -hmm. like yeah i don't know that you'd necessarily bear the weight of that because if they're changing it in some way and they don't write a test for it and they just run the tests and it's like, yep, everything passes. I mean, they should probably be writing a test yeah. for that new functionality that they're building or the way that they're writing it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All right. That's a good spot. That's a good spot to wrap.
I think okay. so. Episode 60. This is a good one. I got yeah. some good insights. Yeah. Don't forget to thank our beautiful sponsors. Yes. We actually got a regular-ish episode out. We did. Two weeks in I a know. row. I know. And that includes go. one from New York. We have Andreas Hubenthal, uh, JP Davey, Joe Lennon, Rasmus Nielsen, which Rasmus, thanks so much for saying hi at Laracon. That was awesome. And got to meet your, ooh, what was it? I think it was your boss. And we thanked him too because he's the dude who pretty much pulled the trigger and be able, being able to say, yes, you can sponsor our podcast. But I'm, I'm going to not remember his name. and He's going to pull a sponsorship. So sorry about that. Uh, but Rasmus, you're the freaking man. Nice meeting you in person. And then CTO Sumo. So who are we? Uh, who Who is it that we're... Um, Work Vivo. Engage your workforce through internal communication. Work Vivo helps companies maximize the emotional connection that people have to the organization and its goals. I've always thought this looks really cool. Internal communication with a purpose. Yeah. So this is similar to probably like what that Facebook work is or something, but mm-hmm. not Facebook, which I'm all about, right? Because gag facebook no thank you needing to know more about my life and my work no thanks I'd rather not yeah so uh if you're looking for a good way for your teams to be able to engage with uh each other through uh healthy internal communication check out work vivo thanks so much joe yeah all right everybody this was episode 60 thanks so much for listening if you'd like to find show notes of this episode you can find them at north south audio slash 60 of course, uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett and Michael Durinda at North South Audio. And if you like the show, uh, tell your friends about it. Tell them there's these two dudes who like to talk about stuff and you should listen to us yeah. and or rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Yep. Hey, and if you didn't like the show, what you can do is take an envelope, Uh-oh. scream your thoughts into said envelope, lick it, and put it in a drawer. All right? <laughs> Just keep them to yourself. I've killed Jake with uh, this you've commentary. Killed me. Dude, I'm not feeling great, honestly. Like, I've got this whole chest thing, cough thing. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, I had a little tickle in my throat. And my friend's like, you going to the football today? I'm like, it's raining. It's cold. I don't really want to aggravate this thing. So Yeah. We're getting old, man. We're getting old. Uh, so old. My knee... I'm cleared, by the way. Just, just quickly. My knee, my knee, my physio is like, look, I don't need to see you again. Just keep... Sweet. Get back to... Your business, which is good, but he he did the dry needling thing. So my my quad was sore where he'd like unraveled the muscle from that, and now like my knees a little bit sore because I was walking on it funny because of the muscle, and it's mm. all a it's all a big big thing. But um, yeah, it's good. I'm back. I, d- I don't have to do a, a rehab session at the gym anymore. It's just back to normal, getting the weight back up and Learn, getting learning back to on trust, track. Learning to trust your knee again. Yeah. Which is the hardest part. I went with a with a friend. We go on Tuesdays to the basketball stadium around the corner from work and uh, get some shots up. And it's still like even with feels no weird. one in front of me, it just just feels weird. Like taking that side step is not. It's not not good, Eesh. but it'll it'll get yeah. there. It's just it's now it'll like mental. We got you. We got your back. Yeah. All, All right, right, everybody. See you in two weeks. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.